Thanks for joining us on the Authentic Church Podcast. Let's jump right into this week's message. Today is week three of our series titled Twisted Truth, where I am showing you how the lies of the devil has twisted the truth of God's word in today's culture. And with this message, I'm going to show you, I'm going to reveal to you that the devil has manipulated so many people including believers into speaking, listen to me about this, speaking curses, speaking bondage, and speaking a negative lifestyle over themselves. Constantly, every day. You know somebody like that? You see him in the morning? Good morning. What's good about it? Okay, I'm not talking to you, okay? All right, I'm gonna get my coffee over here. We'll part ways, right? So I wanna talk about that today. Why? Let me make this very clear. You ready for this? What you say matters to God. What you say matters to God. Jesus stated this in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 and 37, ESV translation. He said, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account. For what? Listen to this. For every careless word that they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Things are going to get really real today with this passage of Scripture. But let me ask you this. Why does God care about what you say? Why does God care about what you say? What do we know? We know that we fight a spiritual battle around us, that our battle is not with people, even though they make us upset and get us angry. And sometimes I'm like, God, if I could just punch them in the face one time, I'll pray over them after, okay? Can we make a deal, right? But our battle is not with people, but the spiritual darkness that is around us. Listen to this, Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 12 and 13, ESV translation, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand this in that evil day. What is one of the ways we fight this spiritual battle around us? One of the ways I want to show you today is out of verse 17. What does it state? It says, take on the helmet of salvation and sword of the spirit. What is the sword of the spirit? It's the word of God, the word of God. And so what this passage of scripture is telling us is that we are in a spiritual battle around us. And the way we fight is with our words. Listen to this though, our words connected to the word. Connected to the word. When you speak, and I'm gonna show you today, when you speak, you can cause life or you can cause death. And in our culture today, they say, don't worry about it. Say whatever you want, right? Don't you wanna be real? I'm so sick of people telling me to be real when I have to cuss. I don't have to cuss to be real right? That is what the culture tells us though. If you want to be real, if you want to be raw, if you want to be a man, I see it all the time, especially within the gym. If you go to the gym, people are walking around saying all these words like, ah, making them think that they look tough. I'm going to show you today that we're actually speaking over ourselves curses and bondage because we fight 
with our words. Why do we fight with our words? Because our words, again, are connected to our heart and reveal, listen to me on this, revealing who we worship. By the way you speak. Listen to this. Have some mic issues. Listen to this. Why do words matter? I'm going to show you three reasons today why words matter. The first reason, your words are connected to your heart. Your words, what you speak, is an overflow of what is actually inside of you, what is in your heart. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, ESV translation. Jesus was calling out the Pharisees, and he says this. He uses some choice words too. He says, you brood of vipers. How can you speak good when you're evil? Listen to that. How do you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, ESV, it states, the good person out of the good treasure of his what? Of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. Listen to this. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I want to make this clear. When Satan was tempting Jesus in the desert and he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, what took place? As he was tempting him, he said this in Matthew chapter four, verse nine and 10, he said to him, I will give you all of these things if you do what? If you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said, he spoke, be gone, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What did the enemy want Jesus to do? He wanted him to bow down and worship him. How do we worship? We proclaim worship with our what? Our words, our lips. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, ESV translation. Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. But also notice this, it's very important. As the enemy was attacking him, as the devil was attacking Jesus, how did he rebuke him? Be gone. Now, Jesus didn't have to say in my name, he could just say, be gone. But we see this example also in the spiritual realm around us. Why? Because the archangel Michael, and I've showed you this before, rebuked Satan as well in this same exact way. Listen, look at this, Jude chapter nine. New Living Translation, but even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy. What did he do? He simply said, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. Now, this is the spiritual battle that is taking place around our lives. But I feel like today, a lot of people don't even blink an eye when they hear a vulgar word, Right? What is the reason for that? It's because we hear these words in almost everything that we watch and everything that we see today. So I did some research. Listen to this. According to polygon.com, the F word, okay, and I, I'm gonna say it like that. The F word can be used in a PG-13 movie at least one time. Yeah. It can be used in a PG-13 movie at least one time. They can sneak it in. But if it's more than one time, it's gonna be labeled a rated R movie. 
But listen to this. Even in a PG movie, they could add some lesser cuss words, you know, not so bad in their opinion. They could put that in there. And I don't know about you, but I have noticed in a lot of things that we see and watch today, God's name is in vain over and over and over again. It drives me crazy. It it comes out of nowhere. And a lot of times they'll mute the other words, but all of a sudden it's okay to say God's name in vain. Are you kidding me? But what we're seeing today, especially in our culture, it's being heard so much that people don't even blink an eye anymore. Right? I just hear so much. I'm used to it. It's in every movie. It's in every song. It's how people speak. And if you notice today also, more kids are cussing. More kids are constantly saying these things. And people are sharing the videos. Like, look at that little cute kid. I'm like, do you know what he said? Like, are you kidding me? He's a cute kid, but the word's coming out of his mouth. Come on. There's a, a reason. God gave this commandment. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless. Do I need to read that again? For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Why would the passage of scripture say it like that? Because listen to me, when you use the name of the Lord in vain, it shows us and it tells everybody else and it tells God that you do not fear or respect God. And that's true, that you do not fear the Lord. There's power in the name of God. There's power in the name of Jesus. Again, we rebuke the devil by the name of Jesus. There's healing in the name of Jesus. There's peace. When you pray and you're hurt and you feel lost and you call out to the name of Jesus, you feel a peace and a comfort because God will answer your prayers in that moment. There is peace and there is power in that name. So no wonder the enemy has twisted our culture to say that name in vain over and over and over again. And what you're really doing, you're saying, I curse God. Do you want to say that? Do you want to go there? especially on the day of judgment, but it shows us that you do not respect God. And if you didn't know that, then today let's make a change. All right, let's see a transformation in the way you speak and the way you praise God. The second reason words matter to God is this. Your words, this is good, will reveal to the enemy if you have a relationship with Christ. Your words, what comes out of your mouth, will reveal to the enemy if you have a relationship with Christ. I'm going to show you this. So casting out demons became more normal in the New Testament after Jesus showed the disciples how to do it. And we see some examples of this. Mark chapter 6, verse 13. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick, and they healed them. And we even see as Jesus went to be at the right hand of the Father in the kingdom of heaven, we see... In Acts chapter 16, verse 18, that Paul was able to call out a demon out of a woman. Look at this. Acts chapter 16, verse 18. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, he turned and said to the Spirit. I love, the, I love how it words that too. Because a lot of us today, especially when we watch movies and all that, we're like, oh man, demons are scary. No, demons have no power over you. The enemy is always going to do what he can to manipulate you to be scared of him. He has no authority and he has no power over your life. All right. And so I love that it states this. Paul, he didn't fear the spirit. He was annoyed. 
get out of here. I don't have time for this. (laughs) That's the faith we should have every day. When you go through something hard, when you're dealing with something, when you feel like you're being attacked over and over again, instead of sulking in that, instead of being afraid, be annoyed with it and realize it is an attack of the enemy and you can rebuke it with your words. But he turned to the spirit and he says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But what do we see? We also see out of the New Testament, out of the book of Acts, a failed attempt to cast out a demon. A failed attempt to cast out a demon. Let me show you. Because these Jewish exorcists were trying to cast out a demon, but very clearly by the words that they said, they revealed that they did not have a relationship with Christ. I'm going to show you. Acts chapter 19, verse 13. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus. In their incantation, they said, I command you, listen to how they said it, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches about. (laughs) You imagine. imagine. I command you in the name of Jesus that they preach about, that they know, to come out. How do you think that went? Verse 15, 16. The evil spirit replied, I know Jesus. I know Paul, but who are you? And the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. Our words reveal to the enemy if we have a relationship with Christ. Because without a relationship with Jesus, our words of power are empty. We think there's power behind it, but there is no power because everything good, everything that has authority comes from God, comes from the Father. And the Holy Spirit unleashes that power. When you rebuke the enemy, it is the Spirit of God bowing up and saying, you better get out of here. It's time to leave. But it's all because of God, not because of us. But listen, here's also a warning. God can see straight through your empty words. He can. He notices your heart. There are a lot of people going through the motions every Sunday, showing up. Like, it's only going to be a good day if I get coffee. And I kind of understand that. I understand that a lot, actually. But God can see sometimes when we're just going through the motions and we just come here to check it off our list and then we go home and we see no more change throughout our week. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. Let this be real to you today. These people honor me with their lips, God says. But their hearts, their hearts are far from me. Your words matter. There is a spiritual battle around us. And we rebuke the enemy by our words. But our words also reveal if we have a relationship with Christ. The final reason is this. This is good. Words direct your life. Words direct your life. So this is powerful to understand. You may live a better life or a harder life depending on the words that you speak over yourself. You may live a better life 
or a harder life depending on the words you speak over your life and the situations that you go through and some of y'all might be saying well pastor I don't know about that I try to speak good okay I want you to think of it like this okay do you know somebody that's always negative yes constantly negative constantly saying something constantly against something now listen when you are in a good mood and you want to have a good time do you want to be around them no why because all they speak is negativity and you feel it don't you it's not just words coming out like you feel it in the atmosphere it can change your mood in a second it can make a good day go bad in a minute do you know somebody that's always angry always yelling always upset yes do you seek them for comfort why because <laughs> they're gonna make it worse you're not going to seek these people for comfort. But how do we get this perception of people? By the way they speak. By what comes out of their mouth. What does the Bible say about the consequences of the tongue? So if you have trouble with anger, and you lash out on anger a lot, look at this. Psalm chapter 37, verse 8. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Now listen, there's going to be some situations in your life, we all know this well, where you can't help but get angry. But listen to the wording, turn from your rage. There's something I want to say to you right now, but I'm going to turn around. <laughs> I'm leaving the house, I'm leaving the neighborhood, because I'm going to say something I'm going to regret. Why? The verse continues, do not lose your temper, because when you do, it leads to what? Reconciliation? Help, love, no, harm. How many relationships have you broken because you spoke out of anger? How many things have you said to somebody and then you regret it later, but you can't take those words back? In James chapter one, verse 20, it states this, human anger does not produce the righteousness of God. Human anger does not produce the righteousness of God. And this is different from righteous anger, okay? You can have righteous anger, which means you're angry at sin. You're angry at the devil. You're angry at the things that are fallen in our world. This is different. This is saying, do not lash out in your anger and cut other people down. Do not hurt somebody deliberately attacking people with everything that you say, because we all know somebody that this is like they're high. I mean, this is what they live for. They live for the drama. And they're constantly speaking out of anger. When you speak out of anger, you lose it. And if you've ever suffered with anger, you also know that sometimes you'll black out. And you don't even know what you said. And they'll remind you and be like, I said what? <laughs> I said what to you? This is why it does not produce the righteousness God desires. What about gossip? You ever lost a friendship due to gossip? Someone who could not keep their mouth shut but always told others what was going on or the drama in your life? Somebody you trusted, what happens when people start to gossip? First of all, for the person telling somebody and, and believing that they're gonna keep that secret, you start to think in your head, well, I can't trust people anymore. What happens when it happens in the church? Well, I can't trust the church anymore. And then people walk away from the church and then they go through a hard life. Then they say, I can't trust God anymore. 
you see how these attacks start to be elevated in our lives, right? But there are people out there that just love drama. Like I said, they'll, they'll constantly talk. Listen to this. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19. A gossip goes around telling secrets. So do not hang around those that chatter. Those that cannot keep their mouths closed. Here's what I mean by what you speak will give you a better life or a harder life. Because if you are a person that struggles with gossip, have you noticed that there are some nights you feel lonely? Because what does it say? Do not hang around those that chatter. And there may be a reason in your life that people don't want to tell you secrets, that people don't want to come over, that people don't want to confide in you. Why? Because you've told so many people and now you're looking at your life feeling like, God, there's nobody here. And God says, you got to work on your mouth, on your words. What about dirty humor? Filthy humor. Ephesians chapter five, verse four. People are like, Pastor, are we going there? Are we going to say that today? Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. Why? Instead, let there be thanksgiving. Why is that? Why is it that we can't talk crude? Why is it that we can't have, uh, you know, little jokes here and there? Because first of all, to other people, it shows your maturity level in Christ. It really does. It is hard. I'm just telling you now. It is hard to say something in this manner and then get on stage and be like, hey, God is good. People are like, I know what you said. You were laughing. And now you're up there crying. I don't buy it. <laughs> right? It gets real. Let no filthiness or foolish talk come out of your mouth. And because of this, listen. The words you use influence people to determine what they think about you and what they think about God. As a believer, you are an example of God's character. As a believer, listen to this. Jesus said, you will know a tree by its what? By its fruit. Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 17, New Living Translation. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. How do you know? You could identify them by their fruit. What does this mean? By the way they act. By the way they talk by the way that they live, right? You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way that they act. Can you pluck grapes from the thorn bushes or figs from the thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. Let me say it again. As a believer, your words represent God to others. Now, let me be real with you for a second. This is hard. This is hard. Because we can come in here and we can look at the scriptures and we can shout, hallelujah. Yes, I know, I know. But in the moment, in the real world, when somebody calls you a name, when somebody attacks your character or says something about your family, it's hard. You know how many times I'm like, God, I'm just going to, I'm just, they don't know my heart. I'm going to tell them. I'm going to show them. And the Holy Spirit says, no. But God, just one time, just one time, let me put somebody in their place. And God says, is it your position to put them in their place? And God has spoken to me over and over again. Did I put you in your place? 
Or did I extend grace and mercy for you to change the way you used to behave and the way you used to speak and the way you used to think? It is not your position to put them in their place. Because guess what? You're going to tell them the truth. They don't care. They're not going to listen to you and be like, okay, I'm glad you taught me that today. No, they came for a fight. They came to throw stones. They came to hurt you. This is of the enemy. So let God handle it. And that's why he's a just judge. And you have peace. Are there things you want to say to get back at them or to clarify your character? But let God do it. Because that means so much more. So much more. Listen, our culture today is infested with demons. Trying to convince you to curse yourself. Why? Because they themselves are already cursed. And the enemy wants to bring you down. He wants to take you down with him. Curses are real. And the Bible tells us this. Don't speak curses. There's a reason why it's called a cuss word. It derives from curses. God also says don't take an oath. Why? Because you are not in control of the things over your life. So do not put yourself in bondage. Did you know that? When you speak an oath, when you speak a promise in that way, you are putting yourself into bondage under those terms and you can't even control tomorrow or what happens. So God says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Look at this. One of the most interesting stories to me about cursing is the story of Balaam and Balak. Balaam and King Balak. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Numbers chapter 22. And by the way, I did not give you this, but the title of today's message is this. Do your words matter to God? Do your words matter to God? Numbers chapter 22, what do we see? Balaam, if you don't know who he is, he is what's known as a seer, which in the Bible means that he was a magician. He was a non-Israelite prophet, famous among the Midianite tribes for predicting the future, or at least they thought, okay? Because I want to make this clear. The enemy cannot predict the future. Demons do not know the future. All right, they can try to twist things. They can try to plan. But demons, the devil does not know the future. Only God knows the future, when things will happen and how it will happen. And we know that he was a con artist due to Jude 11. Jude 11, New Living Translation, what sorrow awaits them. For they follow in the footsteps of Cain, who killed his brother. Now listen to this. Like Balaam, they deceive people for money. Like Balaam, they deceive people for money. The name Balaam in Hebrew actually means devourer. Devourer. He was, he was greedy. He was a corn artist. But he was hired by the evil king Balak to now, listen to this, to speak words over the Israelite tribes. I want you to look at it like that. He was hired by King Balak to go and speak a curse, to do incantations against the people of Israel, meaning it was his words. What was coming out of his mouth is what he was getting paid to do. And it's important to understand that because what was he really trying to do? Listen, in the spiritual battle around us, he wanted to use his words to put a demonic attack on the people of Israel. I want you to think about that. But now listen, here's the good news. You ready for this? God wasn't going to allow that to happen. 
God was not going to allow that to happen. This is the security of every believer. This is why the word of God is living and breathing. This is why God says, don't take an oath. But what God promises will always come, will always happen. And this means, listen, what Satan is trying to curse. Satan is not allowed to curse what God has already blessed. He's not allowed to curse what God has already blessed. And he visited Balaam. And God spoke this to Balaam as a warning in Numbers chapter 22, verse 12. But God told Balaam, do not go with them. I love this. You are not to curse these people. Why? Because they have been blessed. When God blesses you, when he speaks over your life, the enemy cannot change that. So the strategy of the devil is to do this, to make you turn away from God, to make you doubt what God is doing, to discourage you. Did you know that the word discourage actually means lack of courage? Discourage? Discourage? It's taking away your courage. Where is our courage? Where does it come from? It comes from the word of God. And when you know that, you're able to keep walking. I don't care what my situation looks like. I don't care what people say about me. I know that God is in control. For what God has blessed, the enemy cannot curse. So what did Balaam do? He told the men of King Balak, he said, you know what? I can't go. I can't do this. God has come to me. The true God, the one true God has come to me and revealed to me. I should not do this. But King Balak didn't like that answer. And so he told us men, he says, go back, go tell him again, go ahead up the ante, make sure that the treasure's even bigger than, was, than it was before. And this is what he says, a big reward. Numbers chapter 22, 16 and 17. They went to Balaam and delivered this message to him. And this is what Balak, son of Zippor, says, please don't let anything stop you from coming to help me, he said. He's pleading with him. He said, I will pay you very well and do whatever you tell me. Just come and do what? Curse these people for me. How desperate he was for him to come and speak a curse over the people of Israel. Now next, I wanna, I wanna clear this up because this can seem, can seem confusing when you read it out of the scripture, but look at this. Numbers chapter 22, verse 20. God tells Balaam to go. That night, God came to Balaam and he told him, since these men have come for you, go up, go with them, but only do what I tell you to do. Now, where it gets confusing is in verse 22, where it says, God was angry, he went. Have you ever seen that out of the Bible sometimes? It's like, God told them to go, but then God's angry that he went. Why would God tell him to go if he got angry? Because listen, he obeyed God in going. But God also sees through your empty words. And he saw his heart and he knew that Balaam's intentions were still to go because he was greedy to collect the money and curse the nation of Israel. This is why God was upset. He was trying to be sneaky, but God saw right through his words and saw his heart. Numbers chapter 22, verse 22. But God was angry that Balaam was going. So he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. You cannot tell me that words don't matter to God. 
You can't tell me that because he is on his way to curse Israel and God is not playing. So he says, I'll send an angel, an angel of the Lord with a sword ready to kill you, to take you out. If you do what? If you speak these words against the people of Israel. Now, let me say this too. I believe every word out of this book every single word. And I know there are some things we look at, we're like, how did that happen? Because if you know the story well, you know that Balaam had an issue with his donkey and he started to strike his donkey, started to hit his donkey. Why? Because the donkey was able to see the angel of the Lord ready to kill him. And the donkey didn't want to go that direction. So he started to beat it. He was angry. And the word says that God opened the mouth of the donkey and the donkey spoke. You imagine what's going on? Like, I don't know. And, and, and what's, what's interesting to me, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but according to the works of Flavius Josephus, the Jewish culture believed that all animals had a common language and could talk before the fall of man. And part of the reason of that is because Eve, when she was tempted by the serpent, we know that the devil possessed the snake. She didn't seem surprised that the snake was speaking to her. All right, so just an interesting thought there. But the mouth of the donkey opened. It's like, why are you beating me? There's an angel. And then the scripture tells us that God opened up his eyes and he saw this angel of the Lord standing in the road. Numbers chapter 22, verse 22. Again, but God was angry with Balaam where he was going. So he sent an angel to stand in the road to block him. And he opened up his eyes to see him. And the angel of the Lord well, let me read this. Verse 31. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. What was the angel prepared to do? He was prepared to kill him, to take him out for the words he was planning on speaking. Let that sink in. So the angel of the Lord told him, showed him grace. God showed him grace. And he said, okay, you can go, but you will speak only what the Lord puts in your mouth. And as he arrived, all he could speak were blessings. What does it show us? That the enemy cannot curse what God has already blessed. Numbers twenty-two thirty-five. the angel said, go with these men, but I say, but only say what I tell you to say. And in Numbers 24, verse 17, Balaam says, listen to this, not only did he speak blessings over the, over the people of Israel, the tribes of Israel, but he even prophesied a very famous verse about Jesus Christ. Numbers 24, verse 17, Balaam said this. He said, I see him, but not here and now. A star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. King Balak was not pleased. He didn't do incantations. He was not allowed to curse, but he blessed. How did he bless the tribes of Israel? With his words. So what does this teach us about our words? Point one is this. Your words encourage life or death. Your words will encourage life or death. Proverbs 18, verse 20 and 21. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. 
death and life for in the power of the tongue of those who love it will eat its fruit. I have a little illustration for you guys. Come over here. Would you mind holding that apple for a second? Now, who wouldn't mind eating this apple? If you like apples, go ahead and raise your hand. Okay, this is a ripe apple. This is a good apple. But this one's in a baggie for a reason. It's been bitten out of. It also stayed in a garage all weekend. It actually doesn't look as bad as I thought it would look, which is kind of disturbing. But <laughs> which one would you eat? The good one. Why? Because you know this one has a possibility to make you sick, to upset your stomach. In fact, when you eat rotten food, it can be poison to the body. In fact, when you speak poison to other people, they start to eat your words and they start to believe the lies and the cut downs that you've been speaking over them. This is why the passage of scripture says you can speak life or speak death because have you ever heard of it before? You said something you didn't mean and somebody says, you're gonna eat those words. Guess what you're eating? in the garage all weekend and it makes you sick thank you brother I appreciate it it makes you sick Paul stated this about deceitful words in Romans chapter 3 verse 13 and 14 NIV their throats are open graves their tongues practice deceit the poison of vipers is on their lips This is why verbal abuse is so deadly. I'm gonna say that again. This is why verbal abuse is so deadly because it comes straight from the enemy. You are not allowed by God to talk this way to the people you love. You are not allowed by God to speak this way to your spouse you are not allowed by God to speak this way to your children, to your parents, to your loved ones, to your friends. You are not allowed by God to verbally attack somebody day in and day night and night because this is the reason why. The more they hear that they're not good enough, the more that they hear that they're not ever going to be attractive, that they're not ever going to change, that the life is never going to get better, they start to believe the lies that they hear in their own head. And it cuts them down over and over again this is not from God it's from the enemy now I get it sometimes you just have confrontation and sometimes even in relationships you can push each, push each other's buttons I get that and you get angry but you walk away right? and, and maybe you had a slip up here and there but there are some people that thrive on verbal abuse because it makes them feel like they're in control you are not in control if this is how you speak, you are not in control. And on that day of judgment, every careless word that you said, the Bible tells us you will be condemned over. If you do not give your life over to Christ, if you do not change the way that you speak, you're not allowed to speak this way, especially as a believer. James chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, brings a bigger point. Listen. You're not, a, you're not allowed to speak this way to somebody you're, you love. You're also not allowed to speak this way to people that you don't even know. Why? Because they're still created in the image of God. 
James 3, 9 and 10. Sometimes, talking about a tongue, it praises our Lord and Father. And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Now listen. And so blessings and cursings come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Verbal abuse is from the enemy. I've seen people come into the house of the Lord and praise God and shout hallelujah. Yet they go to a restaurant and they'll curse out their waiter in a second for bringing the wrong drink. In a second. And the Bible says praises and curses, blessings and curses should not be in the same mouth. Why? Because you're an example of God's character. But Ephesians 4, 29, let everything that you say be what? Be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those that hear them. You are to build each other up. It doesn't mean you have to agree with everything they're doing, but you can still say, I, I'm praying over you. And I will pray that God gives you clarity. And I don't always think you're making the right decisions, but I still love you and I want the best for you. Think about it. As I was writing this message, I, I started to think back in the old days, which wasn't that long ago. I was preaching in the car shop. We've talked about that before. I was in a car shop and this one night I said, all right, I'm gonna Facebook live the sermon. And I was talking to a men's group there. And if you were there, you know, and it was terrible. I mean, the Facebook Live was terrible. It was all with my phone. The connection was bad. It looked awful. It's still on Facebook today. It's kind of funny now. But I started preaching, and, and people started watching. And I'll never forget this, because there's this one guy that was watching. Don't know who he is. Don't know where it came from or how he even found this, okay? Because I didn't promote it at all. But all night long, he kept encouraging me. Man, that was the best word. Thank you so much for sharing that. I love that. What is the church? What are you guys doing? He kept saying all these things. It's building me up. Even though I'm looking at the video, like I'm, I'm in a car shop. Like. <laughs> but he said these words to me that to this day, I'll never forget. And he said this, listen. He said, don't quit. He said, if you quit, others will quit. Don't quit. I didn't know how that made me feel in, the sec in that moment. <laughs> because I never thought about it like that. I'm presenting the gospel and doing something on faith. And there's other people too watching that. Okay, God is doing something. But if they see me turn away from God... And they'll turn away from God. This is how important our words are. This is the reason it says that we are to build each other up, to keep each other going, to keep each other speaking blessings. Here's my advice for you. You ready? Don't give up. Don't quit. Some of you are hurt and you're going through pain right now and you feel it. Keep speaking blessings. Keep speaking life over your life, over your situation, over your house, over your family. It doesn't matter what things look like. Keep speaking blessings. For some of you in your workplace, keep speaking blessings. Don't quit. Because it may look like people are making fun of you or talking about you, but you're changing somebody's life and you don't even know it. In your school, 
keep speaking blessings even though kids may make fun of you keep doing it for many pastors out there I feel like their words are going nowhere keep preaching the gospel keep speaking blessings because you're making a difference can I share something with you and this is all God many times many times the devil tried to get me to quit and I I thought about it but now today and this is still only the beginning for this church we're not even three years old yet you realize that just this past week we had one sermon clip as of right now reached 700,000 people online one clip that's God that's all God we can't make that happen we can't make that happen but what are people saying they're commenting saying I want to get closer to the Lord repenting listen your words matter to God because you're bringing life into other people's situations when you direct them to the Father that's what you were called to do You weren't called to turn away when things get hard. You were called to stand firm in your faith and know that the demons have to leave. Shut the demons up. Because the word of God is living and breathing. And he wants to use you. Don't give up. Don't give up. If you give up, others will give up. Keep moving strong. And my final point is this. Your words will allow you to experience a curse or deliverance. Your words will allow you to receive a curse or deliverance. Listen to this. This is a serious warning. Psalms 109, 17 and 18, ESV translation. Listen, he loved to curse. So let curses be upon him. He loved to curse. So let curses come upon him. He did not delight in blessings. May it be far from him. Your words matter to God. Can I have you stand up? I want to be real with you. We're human. We get emotional. We fail. We say things we didn't mean. We do things that we regret. And I believe that God is calling you today and saying, you know what? You spoke some harsh words the other day to somebody and you tore them down. And today you need to release that. Today, maybe you need to ask forgiveness or listen, you may need to forgive somebody else because they've held you captive with their words of hate. It is going through your mind over and over and over again. And only God can release that from your life. Your words matter to God. Why? Because yes, you can speak curses over your life. Don't. But guess what? There is power in your words because of the Holy Spirit. And by your words, you can be delivered. By your words, you can be saved. By your words, there can be freedom. By your words, relationships can be healed. And forgiveness and healing can take place. By our tongue, there is deliverance. Listen to this. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. 
if we confess our sins. If we confess with our mouth, with our tongue, we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. I'm gonna ask our pastoral care team to come up front at this moment. I wanna read this too. Psalm chapter 34, verse 17. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them from their troubles. Why do words matter to God? How does God create? Does the Bible say he waved his hand? Did a little dance? He spoke into existence. The word of God is living and breathing. And John chapter one tells us in the beginning was the what? The word. And the word was with God. And the word was God himself. And in verse 14, and the word talking about Jesus Christ became flesh and lived among us. And we actually saw his glory, glory that belongs to him only, only begotten son of the father, the son who was truly unique, the only one of his kind, who was full of grace and truth absolutely free of all deception because he is perfect the word became flesh we are saved by the word of god so what is coming out of your mouth are you causing life or death we hope you enjoyed this week's sermon if you've been blessed by this message be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss future messages and if you feel led to give to this ministry Check out the link in the description and see the other ways you can get connected.